There is nothing more foundational for a follower of Christ than the greatest commandment. Jesus clearly stated to those who were curious that loving God and loving others were foundational to the life as a believer. We as believers can love God through worship, the studying of His Word, and our walk with Christ. We can love others through seeing, serving, and sharing with them. So let us build on the firm foundation of Christ as we love God, love others, and advance His kingdom. Good morning. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we'll be at this morning. I uh, want to uh, celebrate the good news from the Fulbright family and the birth of Claire. And I uh, think, yeah, we celebrate that and thankful for uh, her coming into the world. I also, I was going to do this uh, last week, but I, um, I wanted to ask permission before I shared it. But one of our college students, Claire Hall, who has connections here at IBC well before she started attending OBU, a year ago was diagnosed with uh, cancer in the brain and found out uh, a little bit ago, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, that she's cancer-free. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Yeah, amen. And so, and uh, I've known Claire since she was uh, in middle school. And so it's been a, it has been a joy to watch her. She has faithfully walked with the Lord. And when I think about loving God and the way that we walk, uh, her testimony has ring true today. Uh, as that's what we'll talk about this th- today. I'm going to pray for us before we open up God's Word together. A little different than I've done the last couple weeks, but I, I want us to uh, set our minds upon the Word of God this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we do give you thanks for the work that you've done in Claire's life and the healing that you've uh, brought to her uh, physically. And God, we know that that's the work of your hands, and we thank you for those that have cared for her. But God, we also thank you that you have healed her spiritually, and that because of that, she was able to faithfully walk with you uh, each and every day through that journey. God, we give you thanks and praise for the birth of Claire Fulbright, and we we ask that you would be uh, with Aaron and Kaylin and their family as they adjust to being a family of three. And we, we just are so thankful for your kindness that, and, that has been extended there. But Father, I, at the same time, while we celebrate life, we also know that there's a family within our church, the Sperry family who is grieving the loss of a, of a remarkable lady. And Father, today they'll gather to celebrate her life, and so we pray that you'd give them comfort and peace. God, everybody in this room walked in here today on the spectrum between joy and sorrow. God, you know the condition of every heart, of every person, and so I pray that your word would meet them today right where they are. And I pray that after they engage your living and active word this morning, they will leave a different people. Father, I pray your word would encourage. I pray if necessary, your word would rebuke. I pray that your word would correct, and I pray that your word would train us as we continue to live righteous lives that are holy and pleasing to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Um, A guy by the name of Gar Rhinus took a wiffle ball bat, walked into his backyard with a camera, and decided that he was gonna imitate 
Major League Baseball Players Batting Stances. He became a YouTube sensation after some million hits. He found himself on the David Letterman Show. When he got on the David Letterman Show, they were asking him about it, and this is what he said. He said, this whole thing is ridiculous. I still don't believe the hype. I have the least marketable skill in America. But now he's known as the batting stance guy and has a phenomenal following among fans and Major League Baseball players alike. They say that imitation uh, is the sincerest form of flattery. And I think you'll agree with me this morning, church, that as Christians, we're to be imitators of Jesus Christ. This is how we show that we love him. This morning, we will look at, through Paul's instructions to the church in Ephesus, how we are to walk with God, that we're to walk in love, that we're to walk in wisdom, that we're to walk in the light, and we're to walk in the spirit. And so, If you'll join me, we'll read Ephesians 5, 1 through 21. I'll read it all together, and then we'll we'll walk through it, uh, mostly verse by verse this morning. So let's read beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetedness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, and now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they, do not, that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks as always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I believe there's four instructions that Paul gives. I summarize them in the, with the concept of walk. How do we love God with our walk? I believe first we walk in love. We're to love like God the Father. If you look in verse one, it says, therefore be imitators of God. It's the same idea that we had a few weeks ago when we looked at being a living sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. It's the same here. To be an imitator of God is is in response to his adoption of us as sons and daughters. Our identity in Christ is the, motive, is the motive for our obedience to him. The scripture tells us that the love of God 
he loved us as dearly loved children. And we know if you study Ephesians that we are called children because God chose to adopt us, you and I. In fact, if you flip over just a couple of pages to Ephesians 1.5, it reads these words. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Ephesians 5.1 is the application of Ephesians 1.5. And how do we know that? It's because of his adoption of us, we want to imitate him. You... Um, and this is good for you and I. One, it tells us how we're to live, right, as imitators of God, but it also tells us how to interact with each other as brothers and sisters. You guys have brothers and sisters. Some of you do. And uh, do brothers and sisters always get along? No. Some of you even now thought to yourself in your mind an image of uh, an argument or a disagreement that you had with a sibling. Listen, this tells us that as I walk alongside you, as we live life together, I can help you by reminding you who you are in Christ and spurring you on to good works. That I understand that God's at work in you, and when we talk about living in the light, we'll talk about some of the things that trip us up as children of the light, but what we wanna do is we want to walk alongside each other and not call each other out, but call each other up to a higher standard of living that I'm not just gonna expose areas of your life as my brothers and sisters, but I'm, I'm going to say, hey, God has a better plan for you as his son and daughter. Don't choose to walk down that path and do this. You guys ever um, played uh, the copycat game or been with somebody who does? My children love to play that game where all of a sudden they start repeating everything I'm saying or acting the same way I'm acting. I hate that game. I hate it. But in our Christian walk with the Lord, that's the game we should be playing. That every move that God our Father makes and loving in the way that he loves and that the acts of compassion and mercy, that's what we should be copying. And we should want to play the copycat game with the Lord as we imitate what he's done. Because we wanna love like Jesus. If you look in verse two, it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us. This love of Jesus is a self-giving love, a self-sacrificing love. And I'll be true with you this morning that this, that I personally cannot love self-sacrificially or self-giving without the love of Jesus in my own life. I mean, my flesh just isn't naturally built that way. But what we can understand is, is that we need Jesus' love in our own life. And when we've received it, then we in turn can practice and imitate the love of Christ, which is to give himself up for others. And this is the kind of love that's a pleasing aroma to God. As, as the scripture tells us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know what is pleasing to him? When you are self-giving and self-sacrificing. You know what smells really bad to him? When you are self-indulgent and selfish. You guys have smelt things that don't smell good, right? Some of those you don't ever want to smell them again. But I pray that the way that we live our life and the way that we show our love to the Father is always a pleasing aroma to him. That we're marked by people who are self-giving, and self-sacrificing. Some of you guys know who Mr. T is. Some of you may not know who Mr. T is. 
Mr. T was famous because of his acting role in the A-Team, but also famous uh, because he was uh, a boxer that Rocky Balboa faced in Rocky III, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the Rocky series, you're missing out. But Mr. T had a show called I Pity the Fool, and on this show, he helped people He helped motivate people to be better workers. He helped reunite families. He helped inspire people to be better human beings. And he was interviewed and he said this, I get up every morning and pray. And he said, this is what I pray. Father, give me the strength not today, or give me the strength today, not strength so I can lift 500 pounds, which he probably could, but give me strength, Lord, so that when I speak, my words might motivate. They might inspire somebody. Lord, help me that when they see me, let them see you. And when they hear me, Lord, let them hear you. And he says, and whatever he does, I'm representing the God that I serve. Let it be said of us that we are people who walk in love, not just in words, but also in actions. Number two, let us walk in the light. Now, this is a lengthy section, probably the lengthiest part of the sermon, because I took what's happening in verses 3, kind of down through verse uh, 9, the end of verse 8, and I summarized them uh, underneath this category. What does it mean to walk in the light? And I think the first step is this. You have to rid yourselves of idols. Paul speaks of several sins here, and he describes the darkness that used to define those who are now adopted sons and daughters. These sins grow out of a heart, listen, that has taken God off the throne of our heart and replaced it with functional saviors. Sexual sin, all impurity, greed, and foolish talk are all about self-centeredness and self-centered ways of thinking. And so let's talk about them. Let's talk about sexual immorality. The term here is general for all sexual sin. So that's going to cover everything from premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, the use of pornography, lustful thoughts, actions. If you think it is a sexual sin, it falls under the category of what Paul's stating here, sexual immorality. And I want to be clear here, though. The Bible is not, and God himself are not anti-sex. He's created it to be within the bonds of marriage, the covenant of marriage. And listen, he created this beautiful gift that was given to us in sex, but I'll say this, man has distorted it and he is not going to stand by and continue to let it be abused and distorted. And so it's why he says we have to rid ourselves of these idols and sexual immorality is one of these things that we need to be made aware of. Improper lust is only fueled by improper fuel. So indulging in sexual sin in any kind of way, speech, thoughts, actions, whatever, entertainment, is feeding a desire inside of you that Paul says there shouldn't even be a hint of in your life as a believer. You starve impure desires by denying them the impure desires. Does that make sense? Think about it like a beast that just can't be uh, satisfied. Sexual desires inside of our lives are, are things that when we start to turn our attention away from the Lord and what the world begins to offer, it becomes something that we cannot satisfy and we have to keep feeding it. And so what once started at looking at something becomes an action. 
right? And that action turns into something even more significant. It's because it's a beast that cannot be satisfied. And so what Paul was instructing here is this. There shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality in a believer's life. Why? Because they are, these are improper for God's holy people. The term translated in impurity or all impurity refers to anything that is morally vile. It, it refers to any type of filth. These, act, these activities of sexual immorality and all impurities are the opposite of what should be the defining characteristics of God's children. You once were in darkness, but now you are children of the light. This is how you combat sexual immorality and impurity in your life. Ready? You better be careful not to rename your sin. You ever heard the phrase, it is for mature audiences only? Because I'm over 17, I can watch this. You, you better be careful not to redefine sin. Well, if it feels good, it must be good. And you better be careful not to manage sin. It's just the right amount of wrong. Listen, you as a child of God who imitates God must seek to flee from sin, as scripture tells us, and kill it. I think about a billionaire who had a yacht, and he had a yacht, and he didn't know how to uh, drive it, or whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you drive a yacht or not, but let's just say we do, okay? So he interviewed three people to drive this yacht to be the skipper. The first guy jumped on the yacht with all the people, and he drove within 30 meters of the cliffs and showed his talent of how he could control it and direct it. The second, interviewer, the second interview, he got on there and he drove it within 15 meters of the cliffs to show how awesome his talent and skills were. And everybody was oohed and awe by him. The third guy got there and said, hey, I'm going to drive the yacht out to the middle of the harbor and we're just going to kind of sit out there and enjoy and relax and take in the views. And you might ask, I wonder which one the billionaire hired. He hired the third guy. And this is why. He wanted a man who would take his yacht to the open water and enjoy the safety and beauty there. He was not interested in a man who was so confident that he could steer within a few meters of rocks. And the same is true in our walk with God. He, is, he does not want us to get as close to immora immorality as we can. Because while we may think we can get away from it for a while, when it is exposed, listen, the fallout will be difficult. But hear me this morning, church. There is actually great joy and satisfaction when we live within God's rules as imitators of him. There's freedom that comes with it. Let's talk about greed. Greed is all about the fact that you don't think what God has provided you is enough. And it's sneaky. And greed is an insatiable desire. You get something and then that something is good for a little while and then you want more, right? And listen, greed is one of the most materialistic things of this. And what happens with greed is, is we begin to take advantage of people in order to get what we want, or we begin to hoard things for ourselves. In church, to combat this, we're to be joyful givers like God the Father, modest in lifestyles. And the reason for this is because we want to be sacrificially generous to other people, especially in matters of the gospel. And this should, this should hurt a little bit. 
In fact, if your generosity is not hurting you, then it's not sacrificial. And we've got to be people who are marked by generosity of time, talents, and financial resources and whatever. And it should hurt us a little bit when we walk in a manner and imitate God. It should hurt us a little bit because we're giving sacrificially. And let's talk about filthiness, foolish, and crude talk. It is not only what we do, but also what we say that can cause harm. Those walking in the light will not use language that is shameful or disgraceful. Listen, there's nothing wrong with humor and laughter. I, am, I like to laugh. Hopefully you'll learn that about me. I'm, some people say I'm scary and serious all the time, but I do like to have a good time. I like to laugh a little bit. But listen, there comes a time that when humor is abused in malicious or vulgar ways, it crosses a line and it becomes wrong. And to combat this, as the scripture tells us in verse four, let there be thanksgiving. Now, why would thanksgiving be a way that we could combat foolish and crude joking? Here's why. Because when we give thanks to God for what he's done in our lives and for what he's going to do in our lives, it aligns our hearts with him and it fills them with gratitude. Thanksgiving will come out of your mouth when gratitude fills your hearts. Remember, Thanksgiving is the result of the Spirit's work in your life. It's not an obvious substitute for crude talking, but it's the right substitute because it recognizes God's generosity in your own life. And so what happens when you don't rid yourselves of these idols? You fall into these sins. Look in verse five. For you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, but because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sins of disobedience. I don't know how you can be any more clear of a warning of what happens when you continue to live with idolatry in your life. Church, if you truly belong to the Lord Jesus, you will not persist in darkness. Hear this. Some of you in this room and you might say to yourself, how do I know that I'm saved? Or how do I know that I'm a believer? Listen, if you don't persist in darkness, that's a good sign of God's work in your life. But if you're in this room and you like it, the darkness and you're indulging in the darkness and you love the darkness, then you should seriously ask yourself if you've ever been adopted by God the Father as his sons and daughters because people who have been adopted by him don't want to live in the darkness. And so how do you respond to it? Let me say this. Uh, we were doing a family devotional this past week, and it's, it, the description was, check every box of every possession that you own. And I was really praying that, that, that there would, I, we would not check every box, but we checked every box. And then the next line said this, now check every box that will not last for eternity. And we had to check every box. Do not let it be said of you and I that we are more occupied with fulfilling the desires of our own life than we are pursuing and fulfilling our life with things that have eternal significance and matter. So how do you respond to this idolatry? It's this. Are you gonna struggle with these sins? Yes, we're sinful beings. 
Will you struggle with greed or with crude joking or sexual immorality in some capacity? Likely you will, but listen, I'll say it again. We will not persist in them if we belong to the Lord Jesus. And so when that happens, you need to confess your sin and you need to repent. Why? Because we can't have healing apart from repentance. And repentance involves this, acknowledging your sin, believing you need to change, experiencing the grace of Jesus and allowing it to change your actions. So we walk in the light by ridding ourselves of idols. Now we walk in the light by bearing fruit. If you look in verse nine, it says, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Listen, this is how we know we bear fruit. We don't join the darkness. This is the type of walk that pleases God, reflects Christ, and bears fruit. Think about light. Light consists of good, right, and true. Our mission, though, doesn't include participating in the sins of, believer, of unbelievers. What I mean by that is this. You're to be walk as children of the light, and that means you're going to have to walk in the world, but your mission doesn't include participating in the sinful the sins of unbelievers. You have to be separated. You cannot join them. You have to live out your identity in Christ. Why? Because it tells us, right? Walk as children of the light. Because the light, you are now light in the Lord, as the end of verse 8 says. Because Jesus is the light of the world, and you are in Jesus, you too are light now. You're to do what is right, good, and true. These people who do what is good, right, and true, this is what we know about them. They will always speak truthfully, and they will always walk righteously. Isn't that what you want to be said about the way you live your Christian life? And finally, when you bear fruit, you, you do what you can to please the Lord, which is at the, in verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You may not please everyone as a believer. I've never met anybody who had 100% success of pleasing everybody that they encountered in life. But there is one person you should seek to please every day. Every day you should wake up and ask yourself, or no, I'll put it this way, Every day when you go to bed at night, you should ask yourself this question. Is what I did, is what I completed and acted on today and what I thought about today and what I said today, was it pleasing to the Lord? And if it's not pleasing to the Lord, then you know that it's an idol that's beginning to take its place in your heart that you need to get rid of. Eric Liddell, made famous in the movie Chariots of Fire, said, why do you strive to run so fast and so well? He said this, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. This should be the response of our life, because Christ has rescued you from your sin, set you free, giving you eternal life, and dwells inside of you. You should seek to live in such a way that pleases him. To walk in the light means that you expose the darkness. The idea of exposing carries the this idea of correcting or convincing somebody. When you walk through your life in the spheres of influences, the schools, the jobs, the neighborhoods, 
as a children of light who are walking in the light, you bring with you this glow, and as you walk, it will expose areas of darkness in the lives of other people. And when you do this, it's going, it's going to bring some awareness in their own life. It should. Man, I sure hope you're not walking in the dark because you can't expose the darkness, and that's what we've been instructed to do. We're to expose the sin of unbelievers. And you do this through your words and through your deeds. And listen, you need wisdom and discernment, gentleness and courage when, in, when in confronting and exposing the works of darkness. I don't know if you know this, but darkness doesn't like to be exposed. I hate the dark. I'm scared of it. I won't even take my trash cans to the curb after, when the sun goes down. Because what happens in the darkness is often deceptive and evil and it's hurtful. And we as believers walk as children of light and we don't just walk to expose, listen, we lead others to experience the transformation that only Jesus offers. If your life is just about pointing out the failures of everybody else and not showing them the grace and kindness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you're, you're doing it wrong. Because as children of the light, when we expose them, there should be a natural drawing to, to the light that says, what's different about you that I don't have? And you begin to share with them about the mercies of God. And that's what Paul was writing when he quoted the hymn that they sang in the Ephesian church, awake, O sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Because this is what happens it's like a new believer coming out of spiritual death, like they're awakening from sleep and coming into spiritual life, like, the greeting, like greeting the sunshine who is Christ. And our lives can be used by God as we walk in the light to draw others to himself. Number three, we walk in wisdom. Verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you're going to live in this dark world that is crippled by sin, you have a responsibility to live distinctively from it. The imperatives that Paul uses for the word look and for the word walk point us to the continual need in our life for the wisdom of God. The Christian life always takes the road less traveled, church. It's a well thought out life that is fixated upon the wisdom of God. So we are to walk as wise, not as unwise. And how, where do we learn this? We look to the scriptures. Proverbs is a great book to learn wisdom of God. The wise man values wisdom and pursues it dis diligently. The, the wise man walks with the wise. He asks God for wisdom. He builds his life on Jesus. You take the knowledge that you have of God and you begin to apply it to your everyday life. And then you make the most of your time. Listen, we're living in the last days and how we live, and how we live, how we live matters. Listen. We've got to redeem the time and stop wasting it. You've got to identify the things you're wasting your times on and begin to prioritize the things that really matter. You and I know all the places we waste time. Grocery store lines, sitting at home with our family while we scroll through our phones, 
These places where we have opportunities to live as children of the light, to walk in wisdom, and yet we often choose to waste the time that God has given us. Listen, I, there has to be urgency from us as believers to make use of this time. Why? Because the days are evil. And we are not to be foolish, church, but to understand the Lord's will. And I'll say it this way. Paul is referring to God's already revealed will, and here's what it is. You have a job to do. Love him with your entire life. Love others as he's loved us, and make disciples. It's that simple. And finally, we want to walk in the Spirit. Now, if you took the little... Uh, outline, you'll notice that walk in the spirit wasn't there. That's because Thursday when I was reading, I felt, I felt the Lord say, why did you leave out the most important part? Because when you become an adopted son and daughter, he gives you your spirit and you walk with the spirit every day. And when verse 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, I think this is what he's saying. Listen, we know when somebody's under the influence of a substance of drugs or alcohol or whatever, because it affects their way they act, their speech, their outward appearance, it reveals it. So as believers, you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, your appearance, your words, and your actions will show that you are walking with the Spirit. And to walk with the Spirit is to do what the Spirit tells you to do. To walk with the Spirit is to trust in what the Spirit provides in your life. And to walk with the Spirit is to be directed by the Spirit. Why? Because God himself is whispering into your life, this is the way. In church, we've got to be careful not to fall into the cookie jar syndrome. And you probably think to yourself, what's the cookie jar syndrome? Kent Hughes told this story. Said a little boy's mother had baked fresh cookies, placed them in a cookie jar, and she gave specific instructions that no one was to touch those cookies before dinner. But it wasn't long until she heard the lid of that cookie jar being removed, you know, trying to pull it off without any sounds. My son, what are you doing? The mother, the mother yelled. The son responded back, listen, my hand is in the cookie jar resisting temptation. The fact is this, you and I both know, if your hand is in the cookie jar with fresh, warm chocolate chip cookies, you ain't resisting temptation. There are open cookie jars all around us, brothers and sisters. Televisions, smartphones, music, conversations, relationships, activities. These dwell in our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods, our hobbies. These cookie jars are everywhere. It is easy to take, these, take from these cookie jars something that looks sweet, promising, and, fu and fulfilling. But then reality sets in. Listen, that when you stick your hand in the cookie jar and you take it, and you sin, this is what happens. That sweetness turns to rot. That rot turns into decay of the hand that you took it with, which eventually makes it to your soul and, and turns into the gangrene of the soul. Keeping our hands out of the cookie jars of temptation is a challenge for all of God's people. 
But we've heard this morning that Paul has given us instructions of how we can live our life so that we don't have to stick our hands in the cookie jar and say, I'm doing everything I can to resist temptation. How do we do that? We walk in love. We walk in light. We walk in wisdom and we walk with the spirit. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, we'll move into a time of invitation. Listen, I say this the last few weeks I've been here as the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. We believe any time that the word of God is spoken that there's an invitation to respond. You may be here this morning and you've, talk, you've heard us talk about being imitators of God, but you can't be an imitator of God because you don't have a personal relationship with him. And today the spirit's been at work in your life, convicting you of your sin, making you aware of your lostness, and you want to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. When we stand and sing in just a minute, you can come to the front, meet me here, and, I'll, and we'll talk about how you can give your life to the Lord. Or when we stand and dismiss, you can move towards the blue wall and there'll be somebody to meet you there. For the majority of you in this room, you came in here and God knew exactly where you were, exactly what was going on in your life, and exactly where the condition of your heart. And he's used his word this morning about being imitators of God and walking in love and the light and wisdom and in the spirit. And he's maybe brought conviction to your life. This morning, you may want to stand, kneel, or sit in prayer, confessing and repenting of these areas of your life that are not pleasing to the Lord. You may want to come and talk with the staff member or myself, or in some of your cases, declaring the song that you want to sing, that the song that we'll sing, you want to declare the praises of God because of his work in your life. You respond as the Lord leads. Father, I pray that through the power of the Spirit and your living and active word that we'll respond obediently to how you lead this morning. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You stand.